A new day and a new era is upon us, ladies and gentlemen, especially here at the Blue Stable Podcast. We have much, much, much news to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. But before we do that, you already know what it is. If you enjoy the Blue Stable, if you enjoy watching our content, be sure to leave a like, subscribe to our channel, and hit the notification bell. That way you are notified anytime content drops on our channel. Now, without further ado, let's introduce all of you guys to... The crew, Marcus. What's up, man? First, we got to get to you because you weren't on the emergency pod, so we gotta we gotta get get your feelings on how you're feeling. Sam Ellinger season is here, okay? We all know by now. If you haven't, obviously, Sam Ellinger is court, quarterback one. But Marcus, before we get things going, we gotta get your opinion, man. Since you since you missed out, what is your reaction to Sam Ellinger season? Uh, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited for for the move. Um, not holding him to high expectations because we know how that goes with a young QB. Uh, I feel like this moment should have been done two years ago, personally, because um, he's been here on the roster, and we went out to get two vets. That was the last-minute options, which just was the waste of the time and the morals uh, at the end of it. So, uh, But Matt Ryan taking it like a leader, you know, still being that true vet that everyone needs on that roster. I mean, it's good for him, but it sucks in the long run. But I'm excited for Sam Ellick to see what he do. I mean, you know, the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, we haven't really seen him with the actual roster. We've seen him with third strings, second string practice squad guys, but he's out there with the ones. So, I mean, to see if he could open up this Frank Reich offense that's been abysmal for two seasons, he finally got him a mobile quarterback and a young guy at that as well. He's not had a young a young quarterback in a very long time. So I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Like I said, sky's the limit. If we lose, we lose. Go get a pick. Uh, if we win, hey, we're supposed to win anyway, but it is what it is. I'm excited. <laughs> and Landon, obviously, those of you, uh, Landon Oliver, obviously, our new analyst joining the Blue Stable podcast. We talked about it on Tuesday. You, you're expecting some solid things from him. You you believe in him. You're not saying he's going to come in and win 11 games or anything like that. But you see a light at the end of at the end of the tunnel for this guy. Yeah, uh, you know he's you know I went in on it a little bit on the last pod, but. Uh, yeah, there's there's stuff to like. There's stuff he needs to work on, but it's not a bare cupboard. I don't think you're, um, I don't think you're throwing him in there in a moment that's going to be too big for him. I, like I do agree, they're relying on him to basically save their jobs, and it's I mean it's a lot on his plate. But like I said earlier, um, you know if there's anybody that's up to the challenge of uh, overcoming obstacles, it's it's Sam Ellinger. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited. He has some stuff to work on still, but like I said, it's not a bear covered in there. It's not, you know, we're, we're not throwing out a guy that just can't play at all. Um, but that's the beauty of it. We don't know. Nobody knows. It's exciting. It's a, it's, it's good or it's bad. You know, nobody knows. We'll see. If it's good, it's a win. If it's bad, it's a win. So it's a win-win in, in any case. And that's what you called it on Tuesday, Landon. So guys, before we get into all this, we're going to get into some hot, juicy topics here in a little bit. Um, and hell, I, I I made my debut on the Pat McAfee show for not so good reasons. We'll get into that here in a minute. But Matt Ryan finally got a chance to get some microphones, some cameras in front of him uh, after this decision. And you could tell on his face, he's upset. He's disappointed. And I mean, he, he even said it. he's disappointed as a competitor. You want to be out there and everything. And I, I feel I feel it's so disrespectful. So just just so disrespectful to Matt Ryan to 
to bench him for a guy who in, in the NFL sense is nothing, who has shown nothing, who has amounted and done nothing in his career. And you let this guy down. Uh, you promised him a bit of goods that nothing came to fruition. I mean, he got the defense to be to back up the, the offense. You got the defense, but you, you don't have the, the production from the tight end room. You don't well not where it needs to be. You don't have the offensive line run game protection and the run game has been poor. So now, I mean, I, we just the pro that Matt Ryan is being about all of this. We, we, everyone talked about it when he was potentially coming to Indianapolis and when the trade went down leadership, all pro, just a professional all the way around. And he could easily sit here and pout about it. He could make a big deal in the media, but what he's doing, he's at practice. And we could see the little clips that go on Twitter. He's working with Sam Ellinger. He's teaching them the ins and outs and how to run the offense, what things, how things need to be executed from the quarterback standpoint. And I, I can't think of a better situation for Sam Ellinger to be in, not only to have Frank Wright, but to have Matt Ryan by your side and hell even Nick Foles right even Nick Foles he's he's done something he's done something that only 56 people on this planet earth has ever done and he's won a Super Bowl MVP so guys what was your reaction and how do you feel you know not only when the announcement is made but seeing how Matt Ryan feels about it obviously we know it was another failure at the quarterback position from Chris Ballard and Frank Reich but just how do you feel for, for Matt Ryan? Landon, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, first off, like you said, the, the guy is an absolute pro. He he really is. I wouldn't expect anything less from a veteran like that um, and, and a guy with the mental fortitude that he has. But I will say this, and this might rub people some wrong way, but it's just, it's just the facts. Um, he hasn't helped himself either in this situation. You cannot turn the ball over at that rate and expect – to play winning football any of the other 53 guys on that roster perform like that they turn the ball over well except matt Pryor and brandon face on yeah i was reason. about to say what about those uh, guys but that being said i mean like you know whenever you play like that and, and i know the offensive line um i don't really necessarily agree that the tight end room is that bad i think they weren't being utilized properly and i think matt actually kind of missed some throws to them that were open and that's not really on them um, the wide receiver room has been just fine outside of, you know, the game where, you know, Pittman was out, Pierce was out, um, you know, they were running a skeleton crew out there, but uh, the weapons have been fine. Really it boils down to the old line to me. Um, but even then he hasn't done himself any favors with his play. Um, and I, I think he recognizes that. I think he knows in this league, you have to perform. You cannot turn the ball over at a clip you know, what, what is this? 11 fumble. Yeah. 11 fumbles, nine interceptions. I mean, that's, that's 20 times in seven games that you put the ball in danger and you're putting your defense in bad positions and not all of it's on him, but a lot of it is also, um, you know, it's, he's not blameless in this. So while, you know, it, it sucks and I agree, they did fail him. They didn't live up to their promise. Like Frank Reich said, um, at the same time, you know, it's, Welcome to the NFL. He knows the business better than almost anybody. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is you either perform or we find somebody else who will. And I think that's a lot of what happened here. Um, and that, and I think they know that 
the line is not going to get better. They can't protect him properly, and it's a disservice to him, honestly, to keep him behind that offensive line. You're talking about a guy that he's missed three games in his entire 15-year career, um, and he made it seven games, and he's already hurt here because of the offensive line in front of him. So um, shitty situation, you know, just to not mince words. Uh, it's, it's a shitty situation, but that's the reality of the NFL. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my take on it. But yeah, Matt Matt's awesome. He's he's a pro. He'll he'll handle it like a pro, and he'll be ready whenever you know either his time is called upon if he is needed, or uh, you know next year he'll keep preparing. Yeah, if you would have told me before we got Matt Ryan that a, a veteran like him, a former a guy that made it to the Super Bowl, is going to go to the Colts and he's going to get benched, I would have called you crazy because. Nobody in their right mindset would have seen this happening, of course, when we looked at it on paper in the offseason, bringing in Matt Ryan after our last quarterback carousel situation was like, okay, this dude is miles ahead of him. But, I mean, it's the same unfortunate scenario, and now we got to start looking at the bigger picture besides just the quarterback play. It's like, okay, what is this team doing? What are the plays being called? Like, how are we going to be helping the next quarterback in line for what we got going on? And that's what that's like a semi – feeling that I have towards with Sam Ellinger, even though he's young, he's mobile. Arm strength is kind of decent, but it's not all the way there. He still has to develop that. We've seen the progress, but I think he still has ways to go. But that's just the question that I ask myself every week from now on after this move that Matt Ryan was made. Of course, he was upset and everything, and I totally understand. But like I said, with the NFL and how it is now, the whole offense has changed. Like It's a whole different type of tempo for what Matt Ryan played 15 years ago in the NFL. So like it's more fast paced. You see more mobile quarterbacks, a lot of more play actions and young guys out there. And with Sam Ellinger, they might feel like that that's the missing piece for the Colts in the way that this offensive line is structured. So I can definitely see why they did this. And, you know, Matt Ryan being Matt Ryan, he's a great guy, great leader. That's one another thing that the Colts is missing, in my opinion, personally, at the quarterback position. But him being that and deciding to take that role maybe might open up a door for him in the future, becoming like a quarterback coach or something even better than that. So I love the progress that he made with this announcement. Of course, he wants to be out there, but I think he understands it as well. Like I said, I love the guy, Matt Ryan, for him still being on the roster. And we'll see where the future takes him. But, I mean, the sky's the limit for Sam Ellinger with him being behind him. Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, two years in a row, you're just wasting assets on guys that are not the answer. Third and first round pick on Carson Wentz. He's gone in nine months, spent nine months with the team. Spend a third round pick on Matt Ryan. He's benched in six months. Like it's a failure. And for some reason, this move, I, I don't know why. I just keep reverting. And I mentioned it on Tuesday, Landon. I just keep going back to the fact that I feel like this move, you know, kind of foreshadows Chris and Frank keeping their job regardless of the outcome. This is a find out what we have in the young guy. And if he's not it, let's go get the quarterback to get this thing turned around. I I, I just can't escape that feeling, okay? It, it's not anything I'm getting from inside the building. It's not inside I'm getting from a source. It's just my feeling that this is something that keeps their job. This is – and we'll get to what these players in the locker room, and that's what my next point was going to be. How do the players in the locker room even feel about this? Obviously, if you've been listening – to the you know the the sound bites and the inside locker room interviews and everything 
the team was thrown off by this. They did not expect it. They were shocked, and they they just didn't expect this. When do you ever see a pro like Matt Ryan get benched? And, you know, they're not going to admit it publicly, but some of them are showing frustration for the incompetence and inconsistency at this position. I mean, even Michael Pittman came out and had a quote, and I have it right here in front of me. The Colts have done a really good job at bringing – uh, really great guys in here. Phillip Rivers, Hall of Famer, Carson Wentz, Super Bowl champ. No, he didn't play in the Super Bowl, but uh, Super Bowl champ nonetheless. Matt Ryan, Hall of Famer. I can't control that. I just go out and play. I, I mean, what what is he supposed to do? What like? I think this. We'll get into that uh, how it affects him in a little bit, but I don't know. Like even another another quote here from Naheem Hines. Look, man, we can help him play really well regarding Sam Ellinger. Look, man, we can help him play really well. And if we help him play really well, that changes his life forever. We're not going to be the reason he fails. And for those that are confused, if he plays well, it could change his life forever. He could be the franchise quarterback. He can land a big contract, gain financial security for the rest of his life. The, the, the There's just frustration and it's just another uh, letdown. But those were our opening thoughts uh, for all of this craziness going on. Now to move on to the next topic in the show. Should the Colts be, with the trade deadline coming up, should the Colts be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Now, I had a tweet that I put out. Uh, everybody took it to heart, Took got way too emotional about it. I made my debut on the Pat yeah. McAfee show. Yeah, you got in trouble. Reasons. You got in I trouble. got in trouble. Uh, it wasn't for the reason that I thought I would make my debut on that show for, but th this is something that I'm going to go back to it and I have it pulled up right now. I made a tweet about, what was it? I can't remember if it was a day ago or two days ago, but I tweeted this. The NFL trade deadline is next Tuesday. I honestly think the Colts should seriously consider being a seller. Now, who would they trade? Five guys come to mind. And the way I listed them, and I think the biggest, what hurt me here was how I listed them. I wasn't ranking them. I was just listing them where I had them. Um, Matt Ryan, Shaquille Leonard, Stephon Gilmore, Yannick Ngakwe, Ryan Kelly. Uh, Shaquille Leonard liked this tweet. I mean, that he, he finds motivation in anything. It doesn't bother me. Um, there's no hard feelings on my part to him or anything. But hey, if we if he comes back and, and balls out this week, can we can you take credit for that? I sure definitely am. I know you will. <laughs> and I need and I need part I need I need 1.5% of that contract. That's what I need. I need compensation, okay? Uh but anyways, I want to talk about this, talking about being buyer or seller. And here's my case for a seller, okay? Now I get everybody in the comments. I mean, and thank you to everybody who engaged with this tweet, by the way, whether if it was positive or negative, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're all here to give an opinion. We're all here to share our thoughts. My job is to share my thoughts objectively. And I get where people come from not wanting to trade Shaquille. He's the heart and soul and he's a culture guy. But here's my thing. I don't give a shit about culture. I really don't, especially when you've been sub 500. Where does that culture get you? Has it gotten you to a Super Bowl? Has it gotten you to an AFC championship game? Has it even gotten you a wild card win? No. So why are we just going to sit around and, you know, 
fans these days want to focus on the kumbaya of everything. And some people, obviously, we see the, I saw some tweets out there that I want to address. Not Nothing specific, but the general point. Oh, my gosh. I hate to have Colts fans like this in the fan base. They love to turn their back on players. Let me, let, let me correct something here real quick. Shaquille Leonard is my second favorite player on this roster. He was number one before Michael Pittman showed up. He is my second favorite player. I haven't turned on Shaquille Leonard. I never even said he was a bad player. I never said he sucked. I never said he was incapable of playing. I never said that. From For the past, even from the offseason, it's been one thing and one thing only about him. His injury concerns. They are piling up, and he plays a position where the injuries have shown and proven that they are not going to slow down. So I'm sorry. If you think that I'm a dick for trying to push him out because he's injured, I'm sorry, baby, but you should really pull back the curtain of the NFL scene and see what messed up conversations really happen inside the inside all 32 buildings because it is ugly. Should I remind you of what happened with Andre Sastre 24 hours after he celebrated with his family for making the 53-man roster? We don't need to revisit that, do we? Why are we going to resell the guys? Because why wouldn't you? Landon Marcus, you're telling me if someone called you about Shaquille Leonard, you're not listening? You're not even considering. If somebody came to you and said three first-round picks right now, Shaquille Leonard, you're telling me no because, oh, he just fits the locker room? Landon, what's your, what, what's your answer to that? If you were well, offered one, yeah, two three or three first-round first round picks. picks, two or three, because Jamal Adams, a safety, got three first-round picks. Shaquille Leonard, the best linebacker in football, in my opinion, if you got two, three first-round picks, you're telling me he's untouchable? With all the evidence that we have, he's injured and the defense is playing well without him. Outside of like probably like, I don't know, four players in football. Like I'm talking about in all of football. There's no such thing as untouchable. Um, But to me, no, like I'm I'm not trading Shaq. I, I don't. I, I really, I don't even think they should be buyers or sellers. I think they should stand pat. I think they should see what they have. Like you got to understand too. And like, I think this is like the big disconnect is what's happening here is these, these guys are coaching for what many consider to be their jobs. Um, they're trying to win games. Like I know the same thing, the optics of it looks like they're trying to tank. I promise you they're not trying to tank. This is just them looking for different avenues in a way to spark the offense. Um, and and they want to see what they have. This is coming from the top. You know, this is from Ursay. Um, but Frank's coaching for his job. Like, Chris is probably, like, depending on what happens, like, he might be watching Frank coach for his job. Like, what, like, what are the, what, in what world are they doing that and then selling all of their good players also? And then on top of that, you have to look at, even if you, don't get fired you're you're likely wanting to if things don't work out build around a quarterback so then why are you giving away assets that you're going to need especially now with Carson Wentz like we don't know that's very high likelihood that's a third rounder now that second rounder is gone we already don't have a third rounder thanks to the Nick Cross trade so now you're back to just first second and third rounder you're going to need those assets to go get a quarterback if you do need one so you're not buying anybody. 
but you're also not selling anybody, especially guys to me as crucial as Shaq Leonard. Like I know the contract for off ball linebackers, we can get into the analytics and discuss all that. That is what it is. Well, I don't that want guy, that to like, be disputed. He is, he is worth that contract. I, I'm yeah, not he, I think he's it. worth every penny. Worth and I will, I'll say this too, as far as the injury thing goes to me, like, I don't think it's necessarily a concern about like, about like injuries piling up because he's played hurt for the last four years and they finally figured out what caused that injury. And this is him recovering from the cause of those injuries. This is the big major one. And people like, I don't think people realize how big of like, whenever they talk about Quentin Nelson or now Darius Leonard, people don't talk about how big of surgery back surgeries are like that is huge nasty. It takes Just a look at Tyron long, Smith in Dallas. Yeah. Like it takes a long, long time i'm talking about like two years to get fully back to where you are um and he's working his way back very admirable like that guy there's there's some things that can't be measured i mean yeah you can pull up the stats you can pull up the money you can pull up everything about him um the injuries the missed game miss games this year and all that but there's something that that guy has in him that rallies people to him and rallies the defense and it like you can't teach just constantly being around the ball like you you either have that or you don't um and he has it so yeah I, i'm not selling Shaq leonard i'm not buying any players i'm standing pat i'm seeing what we have in that locker room and then not only this too this is my last point and i'll let marcus go um you also have to factor in that making moves in season, if you are going to be sellers in season, you also tank the value of some guys. We just saw you also, you I mean, we just saw a guy from Chicago get traded for a fourth round pick. That's likely, you know, you're not getting firsts for Shaq Leonard right now. You're, you're probably looking at seconds and possibly, you know, fourths or fifths um, as a combo. So if you wait until the off season to deal some of these guys, when, guys retire guys get cut teams are a little more desperate they're looking for answers at situations that value goes up you that's why you see trade value in the offseason spike as opposed to fourth rounders getting dealt fifth rounders getting dealt christian mccaffrey going for second rounders like like you're you're almost handicapping yourself from what you could get in return for some of these guys if you sell in season so i'd say you Stand pat, see what you have in Sam, see what you have in your coaching staff and your front office, depending on how things work out. Then this offseason is when you make the moves. Should I'm you gonna move? I'm gonna respond, but Marcus, I want you to get in. Yeah, um, for sure. Shaquille Leonard is probably the only guy I probably wouldn't get rid of. Um, I do have a name I would get rid of, but if that's up to me, uh, it definitely would probably be only Brandon Faison because he is just the hugest liability on that defensive side of the football. So, uh, and we could get any pick from him; it'll be worth it in the well, future. Well, you probably but... have to send picks to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's a one-year like... deal. Just cut his ass. <laughs> that's the only person I'm selling. So, I mean, for buyer's sakes, I mean, if you're if you're interested, like to be honest. This team and the way that we know how Ballard moves in the offseason, there's no way in the world he's either buyer or selling because he'll get rid of somebody before he buys somebody. So, like, the way he moves, 
is so like team oriented, built through the draft, yada yada yada. We get it. So like for Shaquille Leonard, I definitely would keep him around because he's just that energy you need on the defensive side of the football, whether he's playing or he's not. Like his, he's just a huge spirit animal, especially for this team that needs it. The crowd is electric when he's around, and he's just electric in general. So he's definitely that voice that needs to be in the coach locker room on a day in and day out basis for sure. So here's my response, and and Landon, I know you uh you mentioned in your soliloquy that. Why would you sell all of your good players? The players that I listed have either not seen the field, have not met expectations, and quite frankly, there's not a reason for them to be on this roster anymore. Matt Ryan, what's the purpose of him being on this roster anymore? If you're just going to go with Sam Ellinger the rest of the season, what's the point of him now? If you, Other than coaching, other than being there and helping Sam, why are you paying him $40 million? Why are you keeping him around? That's number one. Stephon Gilmore. He's the only one on this, on, on this roster that I feel for because this is not the situation he signed up for. He saw Matt Ryan come. He had Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, that offense will, will have our back and we'll have theirs. This isn't the situation he signed up for. If he requests a trade, 32 years old, get something now while you can because he may not be this at 33, Yannick Ngakwe, sell him immediately, immediately. Oh, he has four sacks. He leaves the team in pressures. I'm not seeing it. Like, it's like the new day out there. Where is he at? Who, 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 who? What's going on out there? One of the sacks was gifted to him. Russell Wilson just fell right into his arms. He didn't even touch an offensive lineman on that play. DeForest Buckner did all the work. Russell Wilson stepped up and it was just like a Barney hug. Hey, that's all it was. And then Ryan Kelly, he's not a good player. Okay, even if it's something that you can get back for them, do it. For Shaquille Leonard, here's where I make my case. Now, I will say this. I do not want Shaquille Leonard gone. I will say that. But I have to bring an uncomfortable argument to the table because this is realistic, because this is conversations that happen inside organizations. This is real conversations. Shaquille Leonard does not play a top five position in football. He does not. So when I say shop him, not only is his injury concerns scary, he's also recovering from his fourth concussion in his career. Why did Luke Keekley retire early? Concussions. Again, he plays a position that it's proven injuries are not going to slow down. For I am begging God that they slow down for Shaquille Leonard. But here's the thing. When you look at this roster and you look at the top five positions, is there any hope for the Colts? Okay, they're good at guard. They're good at off-ball linebacker, good at safety, good at running back. Where are you at at quarterback? Where are you at at left tackle? Where are you at at corner? Stephon Gilmer, Brandon Faison, that's the future? Where are you at? But you I mean, want to prioritize, but you want to prioritize non-premium players. That's my problem with Chris Ballard. Non-premium positions, he's good at. But where is the youth and the hope for it? You're about to spend everything you have to go get a quarterback. And then after that, who are you paying to defend wide receivers? Who are you drafting or playing to defend whoever or Sam Ellinger 
or whoever quarterback of the future's blindside. Who? So I'm just thinking organizationally, it, it might be a good thing if it's not at the deadline in the offseason. Because there's also proof that you can survive without Shaquille Leonard. It is as much as people hate this, hate me saying this, this is a proven fact. And if it's, if you want to claim that it's not a fact, I got seven games to show proof for you. You can survive without Shaquille Leonard. Just like you can survive without Quentin Nelson. Just like you can survive without Yannick Ngakwe. No one is beyond, oh, we can't be without this player. If you're, if you're not playing quarterback or pass rusher or left tackle, you are deemed able to replace in my book. And he doesn't play pass rusher, doesn't play left tackle, doesn't play quarterback. And when I look at the future of those positions, wide receiver, you're good. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, you're good. Corner, where are you at? What, what hope is there beyond this season? Left tackle. You're not going to draft one because you're going to go get a quarterback. Pass rusher. Quitty pay. Jury's still out on him, but he's shown good stuff that, and he's shown that he can be that. So the jury's still out on him. Quarterback. That's just my thinking. That's my thinking. I wanted to make that point because I wanted to make sure people knew where I was coming from. And if you really didn't understand that soliloquy, for people who are in my DMs, you don't really know football. If you didn't understand what I'm coming from, you truly don't know football. You really don't. And you don't need to be anywhere near building a team outside of Madden, okay? So that's just my thing that I wanted to get across. That's it. In terms of buyer, Landon, do you think, oh, you, you just said they, they should just stand pat. In my opinion, going back to my last point, the only thing you really should be buying for is maybe pass rusher, left tackle, or quarterback. Other than that, who's giving up quarterback midseason? Who's giving up left tackle midseason? Who's giving up premier pass rushers midseason? I I just don't see it, honestly. Yeah. I, well, I, really I mean, don't. like you, like you, you might have guys available, like Andre Dillard was available, Robert Quinn is available, but the price you're gonna have to pay for those guys it can take you out of being able to trade up and get that quarterback in the draft. And you don't want to handicap yourself whenever, you know, it, it's not needed. Um, and then I'll say this about Shaq Leonard, and this will kind of be like my last point on it. Just, just to counter the off ball linebacker stuff. Like I, I get the position, like it, it is what it is, but there are some players that play above their position. There are some players that impact the game, on a higher level than what their position name is. That guy is one of them. Like, and it's, it's not like a sample size of like, Oh, well last year he had this many turnovers. It's been from the moment he stepped on the field. From he the does. Things I think he had other, 19 tackles yeah. in his second game. Yeah. I mean, like you're not, you're not looking at just a off ball linebacker. So like, just, just to put his position out there and say like, you're paying an off ball linebacker this much money. He's not just an off ball linebacker. Like that he should just be referred to as a playmaker and just leave it at that because that's all he does. Like it's not a position thing. And if you want to make it a position thing, like does the guy play above that position? And the answer is clearly yes. So that that's just like my thinking on it. And then not only that, but like what he means to the locker room, what he means to the city, like what he means to the team. Like um, it's, 
I, I just don't move it. And I don't know. It's like semantics. Like, yeah, it is what yeah. It is, but... I, I get it. But I mean, and, and yeah, like, I, and I agree. I agree. If somebody calls you up and says, we'll give you three first round picks for Shaquille Leonard. Yeah. Like you're probably taking that deal. Cause yeah, no, I just want to make it gonna do that though. Like what they're going to do is mid season. They're going to call you yeah. up and say like, Hey, you know, we, we, we notice you're in a little bit of a bind. Would you be interested in, in taking him? We have a second round pick and a couple fourths to offer. And at that point you're laughing and you're hanging up the phone. Yeah, my whole point was I just wanted to present the argument for why it could happen. That's really it. Deep down, I think he will retire a Colt. I think he will be a Colt for the rest of his career, and I pray and hope to God that the injuries are behind him. That's it. And you are absolutely right, by the way. You're absolutely right. And, I mean, technically, wouldn't he be a Mike linebacker in this system? (laughs) So maybe not off-ball, really, but... I don't want to spend talking about Shaquille Leonard and he might be playing this Sunday, by the way. So maybe, maybe be returned for Shaquille Leonard. Hopefully injuries are going to be behind him, hopefully. But Sam Ellinger still being the starter, whose stock is up and who is down. Leonard, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, Well, real quick, I want to get Marcus in first. When you think about players who benefit from having Sam Ellinger as QB1, who is one player that comes to mind for you? It could be offensive lineman, running back, whatever the case may be. Who's one player that comes to mind? Alan Grancy. Man, this dude's stock got to go crazy because, I mean, we we had high hopes on him since we drafted him, you know, being that one guy, especially when Matt Ryan came in. It's like, oh, he loves the tight ends. You target him, yada, yada, yada. We get it. But for for a mobile quarterback like Sam Mellinger and him being so short in that pocket, I feel like the tight ends could be a big use for him on those short passes or maybe even across the middle of the field. Like, and Kyler Granson, you know, he's been, his progress has been steady increasing over the last few weeks with Matt Ryan and with Matt Ryan teaching Sam Elliger now and with his play in the future, I definitely feel like the tight end group, especially Kyler Granson could take a huge leap moving forward with this offense that Frank Wright may draw up for this young guy. Cause we haven't even seen a young guy in this Frank Wright offense. The last person I think was probably Jacoby Brissett. That was the youngest person, or maybe Philip Walker. But I mean, I don't think he really counts. But I think I think uh, Jac- I think we can see something especially dynamic with this. This could possibly be a duo that we can look forward to in the future. Like I said, first game, it all based off potential. But I do think Kyler Grancy could be that guy for sure. If I stole anybody, if I stole him from y'all, I'm sorry, but I do think I do think that. Yeah, to me, to me, it's not necessarily one player. I guess, like, can I can I use a unit? Can I just say the offensive line, and in as a whole? Um, and, and, yeah, like I, I think they like, definitely it's all need some positivity, huh? Yeah, and so and, and so I'll give you my reasoning behind this too. So I, I know you might laugh and say like, oh well, like they're still going to run the same guys out there. They're not going to just magically get better, um, and that's true. I agree. They're they're probably not just going to magically get better, but it's a lot more to me about what Frank Reich now can run with Sam Ellinger as a quarterback, as opposed to just Sam Ellinger as a player. Um, a lot of these RPOs, a lot of the you know quarterback reads, possibly even some quarterback runs, read options, all these things do. And, and you kind of heard it in the Jacksonville game with Trevon Walker, when he called Matt Ryan, a setting duck, we can just go after him. He's a setting duck. That was uttered. That is no longer the case now, and hopefully Frank Reich does this. I think he will, personally, because this is the type of offense he wants to run. This is the quarterback that is made for 
some of the stuff he really likes to do in his offenses. So um, all this does is it stops these guys from crashing so hard in this pocket. Um, now the internal pressure that still worries me, of course, with Matt Pryor and Ryan Kelly, like consistently forgetting how to pick up stunts like every game, but you do have the element of his legs will provide adequate you know ability like there were plenty of plays even this last week where if matt ryan is able to step up and move you know and and take the lane that was provided he picks up positive yardage and not only that but you're also canceling out negative yardage of a sack so it's kind of like a win-win so that's that's just kind of like where i go with it is I, i think now the type of offense they run is more conducive to helping out the offensive line along with the ability of sam ellinger to um have I, th- I think he has fantastic pocket presence and on top of that his mobility i think the offensive line as a whole benefits from this yeah and i and i actually love the fact that we're all going in different areas with this uh i think all of us you know are, we're thinking kylan granson uh shout out to marcus for that and then landon that was good insight my stock up is frank reich's playbook that's my stock up because um, there, there, I believe there is more than maybe, I believe there's one fourth of his playbook that could not, or maybe even half of his playbook that could not get used with Matt Ryan at, at quarterback because some of his designs, and remember that he ran some of this with Andrew Luck, whether if it was bootleg play action or even some, you know, um, designed runs for the for the quarterback and he ran some with Carson Wentz there wasn't so much run with Andrew Luck obviously because of you wanted to prevent him from getting hit so I'm actually excited to see what he's got cooked up for Sam Ellinger going forward because I want to see a little bit more bootleg get some of them legs running get him outside of the pocket maybe can he make some throws off script can he make some design throws on the run whatever the case may be I I'm glad that Frank Reich is going to be able to use his playbook and open it up so much more than he would been would have been able to with Matt Ryan because there are just some things that Matt Ryan couldn't do that Sam Ellinger physically can. And we all know what we're talking about, the mobility, being able to step up in the pocket. I just love it. I, I love that aspect, and I, I really hope I really hope that this is truly a stock up inside the organization for him because if Jim Merzay can see, if you truly have a young quarterback like we should have gotten after Andrew Luck retired, if you get a young quarterback who is mobile and he opens up the playbook, you see, wow, he really is that guy. He really is a good coach. And again, could possibly end up leading to him keeping his job. But Frank Reich is a happy man right now. I I think when he starts game planning because it's now – Oh man, well, when I start just telling Marcus Brady to not do anything bootleg wise with Matt Ryan, well, now we can put that info for Sam Ellinger now. So I'm excited about that and what designs Frank Reich is going to come up with. And even if he's drawing new stuff up in the offense this week, which I would imagine so, I would imagine in the last year or so, if I, if I had to go with Sam Ellinger, especially if he was your QB2 last year, if I had to go with him, I would run these plays, create these plays, send these plays to Sam Ellinger. Hey, just have these ready. Know what you need to do on these. If you need to be ready, these are the plays we'll go with. So I'm excited in that aspect. But other than that, uh, 
it's time to get into the game preview for this uh, Sunday's game, pre-Halloween game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Washington Commanders. Like we said, in the preseason, Matt Ryan versus the returning Carson Wentz. It was going to be box office, need to watch, and it had, it has turned into Sam Ellinger versus Taylor Heineke. So kind of mirroring each other both as players, but breaking this game down a little bit. Uh, my first point I wanted to ask, how does Mo- – <laughs> this is another thing we're going to get into. How does Ellinger's mobility improve the Colts' chances to win? Landon, I'm going to start with you on this. What would your answer to that question be? Um. Well, I mean, it. I think you kind of touched on it this last bit where I think it opens up their playbook a little bit more. You're able to do more things. Um, you're able to get the defense in kind of – situations where they're thinking now instead of just being able to attack which is what they would have done um you know should Matt Ryan be back there behind this offensive line now you're having to account for um you're having to account for Sam Ellinger it it basically now so whenever Matt Ryan's back there there's something that you only had to worry about and that was attacking the field at a vertical level like you're not worried about anything else just what's in front of you um now with Ellinger back there you have to guard the field horizontally and vertically. And what that does is it spreads the defense out. They they have to be a little bit less aggressive um, because you can't crash, you know, the pocket or, I mean, you could try and it's all, I mean, this, this offensive line will let them do that um, whether they want to or not. But um, yeah, it just, I think it just opens up things to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit more um, one read and go possibly some off script plays some quarterback run some stuff like that and i i mean i have points here about uh, the commander's defense we can get into but um i'll, I'll kind of let marcus answer oh uh definitely i feel like uh the mobility for Ellinger and his offense i feel like this is definitely a big need for this for this team for sure because you know when you look at the certain plays that like matt ryan back in his history when he was at quarterback you feel like, man, if he can just move over a little bit or he can just run for the five-yard gain instead of trying to do like a dink and dunk and try to force it past something that isn't open because there were certain teams that would just leave it open because they know Matt Ryan isn't running because, like I said, like 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 Len said, he was a sitting duck, and he can't go so far. So for, for with this team, this is going to be an ultimate test, and I don't think a lot of teams have good film on Sam Ellinger. So against the Washington Commanders, this could be a huge – wake-up call for the NFL to be like, hey, better not leave him no lanes because he'll take off. We even seen the flashes in preseason when he went for that big scramble, juking defenders and scoring into the end zone. I mean, it is the preseason, but hey, I mean, we got to look at something. So we can, we can go, we had to go off something. So I definitely think this is a big, uh, big piece for the Colts offense that can add to what we can already do. And I think, you know, like I said, young guys out there going to be battling out. This could be a potential dogfight. But with Sam Ellinger back there, this can give us a better dogfight than what we have if Matt Ryan was there. The sitting duck is gone. Golly, man. Matt Ryan's just catching slugs left and right. Um, his mobility to me, and Landon touched on it, to me, I want to see how he performs with off-script plays. You know, if he gets rushed out of the pocket, how is he? You know, how is he on the run? How can he deliver some of these throws? Can he get his feet under him and deliver a throw no, of course, the cardinal sin never throw across the body, but can he throw along the sideline? 
Can he throw to a guy running out of bounds? Can he throw a guy open in that setting? So that's my biggest thing that I want to judge, especially if you want to be a franchise quarterback. That's an element that I think you have to have. We see it all the time. Obviously, we know what Mahomes is, but what Josh Allen got so good at is getting outside of the pocket. Instead of just being a pocket passer, he started showing a lot more of that mobility, and then he started delivering rockets downfield. And even if you go back to the wildcard game against Josh Allen, it was right before halftime. The Colts are looking really good, and guess what? Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs worked their magic. Two catches along the sideline, incredible throws, incredible catches as well. Josh Allen getting outside of the pocket and they go down and get a touchdown. So it is important to note that he's not Josh Allen. He's let's, not Josh Allen. That's it's what important I was to say. note that first. I, that's that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's important to <laughs> note he's not Josh Allen, but at the same time, that mobility just adds a different threat. The defense has to account for in the quarterback position. And I think we're going to see a completely different offense on Sunday. Either if it's not Sunday, I think we'll see it eventually, hopefully hopefully this season, because it's his first game. I'm not trying to put raise this level of expectations on him so early. So that, that's what I wanted uh, to touch on there. So in another aspect, and uh, Landon, I'm going to get you started on this one. Another aspect with this, should should the Colts go with up-tempo instead of going to your, you know, your usual ground attack, start out trying to punch you in the mouth, me personally, I don't care about that. I, I don't want to know if Sam Ellinger can smoothly hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor. He's been on scout team for the last two years. I know he can do that. Can he run an up-tempo offense? And what do you think that the attack should be offensively? Well, one, yeah. I mean, I do think he can do it. I mean, he's an extremely bright guy. He's been in the system now. This is his second year. Like, he's very adept with the playbook at this point. I mean, you don't study for two years and not know how to run something, but um, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I guess it just kind of depends on Washington. Really. It depends on how they play him. I mean, it, you know, if, if they're going to be extremely aggressive and, you know, constantly blitz him and stuff like that, then yeah, you probably want to go up tempo and tire the defensive line out and, you know, make things a little bit rough on them. They can't substitute and, you know, you're able to, kind of move up and down the field and get the ball out quickly. But, I mean, if they're going to play off and they're going to dare you to throw the ball, I mean, if they're going to play, you know, middle field open, you know, two deep safeties, like, hey, beat us, you know, beat us throwing the ball, then, yeah, I mean, you run Jonathan Taylor. You, you know, you ram it down their throats until they come up and make you, you know, stop it. So, uh, I mean, it's just it's, – it's very dependent on how the defense plays. That's kind of what you're looking for. But – to me, um, I do think up-tempo offense, especially for a guy like Sam Allinger, I do think it can have its advantages, and it's able to get the play in quick. You're able to get the ball out quick. You're, like I said, you're you're tiring down that defensive line, so it kind of helps you out there a little bit as well. So, um, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to say without necessarily seeing how they're going to come out and attack you. But over um, here trying to get technical on the podcast. Come on now. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, like, that's what y'all brought me here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not, like, um, not going to come out there and be like, yeah, run it down their throats. And, like, like they're they're stacked up, like, five deep, and they're running, like, fire blitz and, like, cover zeros and stuff and be like, yeah, just run Jonathan Taylor. You're like, that's that's stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what? I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, yeah, this um, I definitely think he can run up tempo for sure. With him being so young and bright and mobile, of course, um, definitely think it's worth it. But I think the main mission is feeding Jonathan Taylor. Uh, last week, Jonathan Taylor shown his promise to him actually being able to run the football again, and I think the blocking was better run wise than passing wise. So I think with the up tempo offense with Sam Ellinger, you know, and you know, tiring out that off, tiring out that defense. You know, getting the ball back to Jonathan Taylor, I think that's a win-win situation, personally, uh, with Sam Ellinger at the quarterback realm. So, um, for me personally, for sure, I think um, tip, up-tempo would probably be a better pace for Sam Ellinger until he gets comfortable enough to run that slow-down offense. So, I think we should start off the gate with that, me personally, um, up-tempo offense for Sam. But I do think this benefits him, and I probably probably benefits Jonathan Taylor more in the long run. But we'll have to see that develop over time, of course. Yeah, I think the up-tempo aspect, I feel like you have to get into a rhythm to start getting into that. So I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying you open up the game immediately like how they did against, uh, I believe it was Tennessee. I, I, I don't want that because that's immediately putting a lot of pressure on Sam Ellinger already. I want to see maybe some running, but also some short passes, quick, short, easy passes, man. Just maybe if you want to run some mesh, you know, some crossers, confuse the linebackers a little bit, make one of them bite. Uh, you know, even if you want to design a Naheem Hines or Jonathan Taylor coming out of the backfield, make that linebacker pause, second guess for that split second, open up one of um, Pittman, Granson, just get, get a little quick pass, and then you start getting into the um, – into the quick pass game and in, in, in the up-tempo because, again, if we're sitting here trying to evaluate a quarterback, we want to see how he performs, right? And this isn't the only game that he's going to start. He'll have nine more chances after Washington. So I'm not saying you have to go strictly up-tempo in this game, but at some point we got to see it, right? We got to see how he performs with it and how how he commands that huddle. So that's on the offensive side of the ball. Another aspect, you know, like – like uh like Landon was saying, how does the defense play? If they're going to go zone in this game, I really, really want to see, for, for once, I don't want to see Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce. I want to see the tight ends. I want to see those two tight end sets Frank Reich likes to run. Jelani Woods, Kylan Grant. Oh, I think, I guess I'll no. throw Molly Cox in here. What can these guys do? What can they do as a unit? Because now if you got that mobility, Instead of just finding the, you know, you're going to find your wide receivers, but these tight ends, man, I want to see some more production from this in between the 20s instead of in the red zone. I want to see a little bit more possessions for them, a little bit more targets, a little more, bit more designs and everything. I, I'm I'm just big on tight end. I, I don't think I'll ever leave it alone until Frank Reich is no longer here. Switching to the defense, the Colts secondary versus the commanders, commandos. Y'all ever seen that movie, uh, Toy Soldiers? Yeah. Y'all ever seen that? It was at the. Yeah. We are the Gorgonites. Yeah, I don't know. But that, uh, you said Gorgonite. Was it the Gorgonites? Yeah, the we are the Gorgonites. Yeah, yeah. That movie's fire. Damn, dude, that's that's back in the day. I think I watched that when I was like four or five years old. Anyways, but uh, yeah, it was back long long time ago. But getting into back into the back into the game here while we're over here sitting trying to do cinema reviews. I think this is what's intriguing to me. So Terry McLaurin coming back home to Indianapolis. We already know what that is, right? He's going to line up inside, outside. 
they're going to throw him all over the field, maybe try to get him away from Stephon Gilmore. This is a game where you're looking at Kenny Moore. You know, if you want to go outside, you'll face Stephon Gilmore. If you want to go inside, we'll match you up with Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore, you know, kind of the consistency is like this. Before, it was just going straight down, just straight down, diving into a into a lake. But now it's kind of going up, kind of going down, differentiates every Sunday. But how, Landon, if you're a defensive coordinator, if you're Gus Bradley, and you see this offense, okay, Carson Wentz isn't going to be there, but you have tons of tape of on Taylor Heineke. You know he can go off script. You know he can get use his legs. But you also know what his tendencies are. He can't make too many throws outside the numbers. He will try to take that deep shot. He will try to work the middle of the field. If you're a defensive coordinator, how are you approaching this game plan against a Tyler Heineke? All right. Well, so I, I did watch the last game, you know, of course, with him playing in Green Bay. Um, and they did win that game. but. Um, uh, he did struggle some, and there were some notes that I had in this in this game. Um, and uh, one of them, well, a few of them. So, uh, if, if you want me to kind of go down the list on how what I'm looking for from from this, we can go. Uh, Heineke he locks on his receivers, and he struggles going through his progressions. And whenever he does go through, he tends to be late on his reads a lot, so he'll kind of force the ball there. Um, he's very inaccurate when he's asked to stay in the pocket. His he gets a little toesy, his footwork kind of gets a little eh. and uh he'll sell some uh some balls and he'll he'll put the ball in danger. So I mean there will be chances for interceptions in this game. Um the running backs in this game, they like to get to the edge. They don't like going straight up, you know, into Grover. So um so edge plays, you know, containing that edge is going to be crucial in this game. Um that's where a guy like Kenny Moore is gonna have to have a good game. Taekwon Lewis, Dio, um they're going to have to show up big because these running backs really like to get to the edge. Um, they run a lot of 11 and 21 personnel. So that's, it's almost strictly what they run with Taylor Heineke. Um, the end around with Curtis Samuel is a big threat in that offense. They love to get him in motion in the backfield and get him to the edge as well. So that kind of goes back to earlier where, you know, you're, you're going to have to, uh, to watch the edges in the run game. Some um, Taylor Heineke is careless with the ball. He, whenever he runs or whenever he does anything, he never has two hands on the ball. He's always has one hand on it. So there's going to be opportunities for you to strip the ball whenever you get into the back. I'd be a good game for Shaquille Leonard to return. Yeah. And, and Yannick Ngakwe, this, you know, say what you want about him. He hasn't played well, but he, he is kind of adept at going for those, those sack fumbles um, whenever he can get pressure. He, he tends to do that instead of wrapping up, you know, and closing on <laughs> yeah. the sack, he tends to, he does tend to go for the ball. So this could be a good game strip for sacks, him to yep. do that. Hey, I'll um, take strip sacks over sacks. Yeah, yeah, all day. Um, Taylor Heineke, he is really good against the blitz, or at least he was against Green Bay. So whenever they brought a lot of pressure, um, he's able to get vertical and he can find his outlets very easily. Um, he's adept at that. There's one player on that offense, though, that I am attacking every play. And that is the right guard, Sadiq Charles. I know, not the right guard, Matt Pryor. This is their version of Matt Pryor. This guy gets killed on a weekly basis. There is no play that I, you know, if it's a, you know, early in the downs, Grover Stewart's lining up on it. 
If it's a pass rushing down, there is not a single third down. I do not have DeForest Buckner isolated on Sadiq Charles in this game. Didn't he play left tackle at LSU? I could have swore he did. In I could have swore he did the year they went to the CFB. Yeah, I mean, he might have. I'd have to look at it. But um, all I know is what I've seen from him in in multiple games now. Um, And he's actually the second. So he came in relief of their starter that – also wasn't getting it done. Yeah. Um, and, and he's been god awful. Um, so yeah, that that's a guy that like I'm going after constantly in this game. Bang bang. Yeah. Yeah, that's just I, a little quick notes. Hey man. I'm, I'm a fan of Taylor Heineke. I, I love me some Taylor Heineke, man. I may or may not have wrote an article about maybe making a trade for Taylor Heineke and sending Carson Wentz to Washington. So hey, maybe we would have been better off with Taylor than we were Matt because of the mobility. But um Let's go ahead and get it to keys of the game for, for this one. And we're each going to have one. Marcus, let's start with you. Key to the game is uh, attacking Taylor Haneke for sure. Um, I think that's going to be a big, a big, big thing, especially, you know, how I, you know how I feel about the Colts being at home. I feel like they have a slight advantage for some reason. Uh, and the last time I said that, it came into truth when we beat the Jacks. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, but I think attacking Taylor will be a huge key. And I do need to see Kenny Moore trying to attack Taylor Heineke coming off that edge rushing. Uh, we've seen a little flash of that last week. Uh, you know, he did a little dance and celebration. But I think this game for sure, if we're sending more rushers to Taylor Heineke, this could probably be a huge day for Stephon Gilmore. Because, low, I mean, Landon, he, uh, he incited it, how interceptions can happen. But, I mean, if we're sending more heat and, you know, you're forcing the ball towards Gilmore, maybe even Isaiah Rogers, this could be a huge day for the defense. And then it relieves the pressure off. Um, you know, Sam Allegro on the offensive side, if the defense is hitting on all cylinders. So I do think um, sending pressure on Heineke could be a huge key to seeing some type of success for the offensive side for the Indianapolis Colts. All right. Yeah. So for me, it is um, the aggressive nature of their defense and it's, it's how I'm attacking it. So it's um, I'm using running back motion with Hines. Um, I know they were a little susceptible because their linebackers do play so close to the line of scrimmage. They are very susceptible to screens. They're susceptible to play action and RPOs. Um, and, you know, I know you mentioned it earlier with um, with kind of, you know, the the crossers and, um, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it is open there. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm looking at tight end screens. I, I think Colin Granson could have a big game if you're able to utilize him. Screens from Naheem Hines. Um, possibly getting him on the move there. And then also, uh, there's another guy that I'm attacking as well here. So I gave you one on the offensive side who I'm attacking. There's another guy I'm attacking here, and that is uh, number 37. His, his name is Rashad Wild Goose. Uh, what a name, Wild Goose. Um, but he uh, has the tendency, he gets very, very, very grabby in coverage. I mean, very grabby. Um, so this would be the perfect game to isolate that dude and uh, possibly take some some deep shots on him with Alec Pierce or Pittman um, and, you know, either let him get a defensive pass interference or let those guys go up and eat. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for is just taking advantage of the aggressive nature of of the defense in Washington. 
I guess I'm getting a little lazy on this one, but just score one more point than Washington. Just, just, just win. Give some good vibe. Get good vibes back into Lucas Oil Stadium inside West 56th Street. Just get good vibes back in the stadium and score one more point than Washington at the end of the day. So that's my take. I guess I got a little lazy with it, but just find a way to win and maybe the morale of these guys is going to start boosting up. So I don't know what to expect from Sam Ellinger. It's going to be his first start, but getting into predictions here, I guess I'll go ahead and kick it off. We'll go to Marcus and then we'll finish with Landon. I mentioned earlier in the, uh, earlier uh, in the week on the emergency pod, I would have gone with Washington if Matt Ryan was here, but the unknown of Sam Ellinger and kind of the, you know, element of surprise that we have in this game. There's not really a lot of film on Sam, but outside of vanilla play calls that really kind of don't show what Sam can really do um, this Sunday. So I like that. I like the chance. I like the element of surprise. So I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. Uh, and shockingly, I have them scoring more than 20 points and I have them going 23 to 14. Uh, that's kind of interesting because you're riding around with me. Uh, I'm going to go 24, 13. But I do think it's going to be some field goals from the Indianapolis side. Might be a little rusty offenses. But I do think the special teams and the defense is definitely going to have that type of feel because we're at home. If we was on a road, it would be a different story. But since we're at home, I'm going to give the defense and special teams the upper hand this week. So 24-13 is my prediction in Indianapolis Colts wins. Um, Man, I, I want to take Washington, but... Also, too, like I, I don't know. Like there's there is that Colts fandom in me that I'm gonna take the Colts. I think logically Washington could come away with this just because we don't know what Sam is yet out there. But I will say, like, I I have a lot of I can't spend all week talking about how much faith I have in Sam and then pick him to lose. So um I'm I'm gonna stick with my guns here, but I do think it's a little bit more low scoring. I've got 17-14 Colts. I can definitely see that too. <laughs> It kind of goes back to that saying, the Colts were a bad, boring football team, and they could probably just be a bad, fun team. If they can be bad, fun, and still win, I'm all for it. So other than that, uh, that has been the preview for this Colts and Commanders game this Sunday. And, oh, man, I, I can't wait for that one. Oh, we got a good slate of college football going on. Some NBA stuff is back. Never putting Jokic and Bradley Beal in my slip again because both of them tanked back-to-back parlays of mine. Uh, Could have walked away with about $500, but no, screw both of them, okay? So other than that, okay, before I, you know, go crazy, got to control myself. Any other closing remarks, guys? Anything else? Um, I will say this, starting tonight, this is Thursday when we're recording this, 27 days straight of football, I believe, Twenty between college and the NFL. There is not a single day in the next 27 days that does not have a football game on. Um, I'm excited, ready to get to work. Uh, and, and, yeah, go Colts, go Sam. Yeah, I kind of want Sam to, to have himself a decent day. I know the crowd's going to be electric. I know how it's going to be. Um, I just want him to take it easy for sure. And then I want him to also remember, if the pressure gets too bad, do what Matt Ryan didn't do. Just hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. He's right there behind you. And he can definitely take away all the pain because he's showing up last week 
but we just forgot about him. So I hope I hope Sam doesn't forget about him, and I hope Frank didn't either. And I feel like this team. Well, we'll talk about it later if they do win. I'll talk about it later. I hope they don't forget about Naheem Hines. Hell, you're paying him more than you are Jonathan Taylor. So other than that, guys, this has been another episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. Make sure you are following myself, Marcus, and Landon on Twitter. The links to our profiles will be in the description below. If you And if you haven't already, make sure you leave a like to this video if you had the Colts winning this game. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell. That way you are notified anytime content drops on the Blue Stable Podcast on YouTube. So other than that, we will see you on Sunday post game, hopefully talking about a win to start Sam Ellinger season. We'll see you.